Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title today is Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, 1 Kings 18, 7-15. And have you ever found yourself in an unexpected, scary place? Anybody? And then you realize that that's exactly where God wanted you to be? Ever experienced that for his purpose? To accomplish something in and through you? You know what I'm talking about? Well, uh, jo- Joanne asked to share a testimony a little while, a couple weeks ago, and I said, I'll wait till it fits perfectly. Jo- where's Joanne? Come on up, Joanne. Uh, oh, there she is. And uh, I said, this is going to be a perfect fit. And it turned out this passage was perfect. I said, Joanne, this is the week. And it was perfect for another reason. Wait till you hear the rest of the story. It's a perfect timing. And then uh, this is kind of like our, our hook to get into the passage, okay? Lord, um, I put some things on my heart. And I thought I would be sharing this in December at our testimony service. And that didn't work out. And um, so I thought I was off the hook. Then Chuck said... <laughs> At the end of that, oh, sometime in the future, you know, if you didn't share something today. And so I'm like, and nothing happened. And I was like, oh, that's good, that's good. And then a few weeks ago, I'm sitting there, and he said a few words in his service, and it said, the Lord said to me, today, you know, I want you to go to Chuck and tell him you're ready now, and this is it. So this is just me being obedient, and um, I hope that this would encourage you. It's all about God's glory, and it's all about God. So... And focus is the main thing. And focus, you can, finding overflowing courage and unlimited strength if you focus on Jesus. If you fixation on crisis, uncertain survival without Jesus. And that's what he was trying to, to tell me. And then, but some people know me and some people don't. So by way of introduction, 18 years ago, our family arrived at New Hope Community Church in a storm so big that we had actually been tossed out of our boat and we were drowning. And New Hope Community threw us a life preserver. They got us back in our boat, and they helped us paddle. And one of the biggest things for me was the women's Bible study that um, Elizabeth Kiefer led at the Kappa's house years ago, and Jan was there, which is interesting that she's here today. And uh, it was, Lord, I want to know you, the names of God. And that just... um, really was good for me. And one of my favorite paragraphs out of that study is um, by K. Arthur. Beloved, where do you run in times of need? When the hounds of trouble, worry, and fear pursue you, when the dogs of temptation, corruption, and evil seek to overtake you, and weakness saps you, do you turn to your protector the one who stands with his arms open wide, waiting for you to bury yourself in his security of all that he is. The names of the Lord are a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they're safe. And it's about relationship. You know, I've had Jesus as my Savior, but I didn't really have a really good relationship with the Lord. And I learned some the names of God, like Elohim, he was my creator, and Jehovah Jireh, he would provide. And, in this, and so fast forward, I have to say, eight years later, for I was finally obedient, and I got dunked under, baptized, 
commercial for um, August. If we can have the baptism, do it if you haven't. And um, at that time, God showed me and gave me the song, Blessed Be Your Name. And he reminded me of that Bible study, and he reminded me of um, the relationship. And, um, he, and I had a special feeling of the Holy Spirit. But the one name, Adonai, Lord and Master, I just grew so much in that he actually became my Lord and Master. Fast forward 10 more years this summer, 60th birthday, my husband comes home and said, he's done with the job that he's on in Coney Island. And that was like, that's it, the circumstances had come. And, and if we really think about it, and God has showed me that we were really in a desert in Coney Island, we thought we, we weren't, but, and we were being fed. We had come back, and we were so thankful for the job. And, and God was feeding us, we, like, you know, Elijah in the desert, the birds, the paycheck came. You know, girls in college, wedding to some Wilson guy, and, and, and the different, you know, uh, things that we had to pay for. And, he, and we got through it with a paycheck, and our focus was, it was so hard for John driving all the hours there and the time, and just focused on getting him through the week. And weekends, we tried to do church as much as we could. He was just so exhausted. And... Um, he did grow in Coney Island, you know, he um, was out on the streets, I like, just had to tell people about God, and at that time he was given out only one God, the one that compares um, the Muslim and the Jew, the Christian faith, and so then he's home, and so what do we focus on, you know, it took a little time to decompress for him and focus on, you know, there's the house and focus on putting some time into our daughter, Jess was home, and she hadn't been home much in a long time, and was a good time for him to have some good time with her and still look for a job and you know what do we focus on and God said relationships our focus should be on relationships so you know in September we had this awesome ladies bible study and we did this experiencing God um, study and it's been really good for me it's been really good and like, what do I do as a wife? You know, what do I do? You know, should I run out and get a job? Or, you know, and then it's kind of like, okay, okay what do you want, have for me? And so he's telling me, stick with the experiencing God, and I have other things for you to do. So in October, Jean Seals, I usually help her with Christmas and stuff, and she says, well, you take charge, and I'll help you because the Seals are going to be leaving. And the Holy Spirit just gave me this vision that, you know, the names of Jesus – that we should, you know, whatever I do should be in service to you guys to help you to focus on Jesus. And I hope when you came at Christmas, it wasn't all about how pretty things were, but that you saw the names of Jesus, that he was King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's our Emmanuel, and he's with us, and um, he's the Prince of Peace. Because, you know, things are going from bad to worse out there, and um, we need to know who Jesus is and to tell other people. And so focus on building relationships. So um, it kind of gave me clarity about that because the, the week before we were going to put the decorations up, Todd played Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And we haven't had that song here in a while. And I had heard it on the radio that week. So this is what God told me to do. It was like, for me, that was, was a definite focus. And we had a job offer in Maryland, and then it's shut down. Then we added the job over in Maryland, shot down. And it was like, okay, Lord, if you really want us to go to Maryland, we don't want to go to Maryland because that would be really hard for us. And stay. You know, we'd live between New Jersey and Maryland and, and be part of your community here. And 
three times, you know, and so in the middle of this, you know, our bank accounts are going down, we have some health issues going on, what do we do? And we got uh, a sizable check from a, a rebate from our insurance workman's comp because in New York you have to have their insurance and they pretty much extorted a bunch of money from us and we never thought we'd saw, see it again, but we got it back so that got us through a few more weeks and um, Christmas, we you know, open our house to other people and just show people love. Focus on showing the love of God to people, and that's what he had for us. And then January was a long year. You know, still no more job, stuck inside. I don't do well with, the, with no son, depleted bank account. And, I'm, you know, some of you know that John had this the stroke vertigo scare and all that. And so I felt God's peace. And then after that, it was like it was a Thursday, and I just hit the wall. I just like I just remember this being in my dining room and crying, like, "All right, Lord, you know what is with this?" And um, that Sunday, Pastor Joe, long obedience, and the, the the pillars of faith that you know he gave you by run by, if you remember, you know that track, that should be our our theme song. And people in that also didn't achieve success. But they were the pillars of faith, right? And that after Thursday, it was Friday that we got the call about this job in Greenbrook, New Jersey, like half an hour away. And um, we've been back and forth with that. And then part of what Chuck was like the long obedience, because I'm like, First Kings 8 1, in the third year. And I was sitting there, oh, three years? <laughs> well, <laughs> but. If, you, if I really think about it, Coney Island started, and we are in our third year. You know, I did, I, the, the God just told me that this week. And um, I had to cling to some, you know, verses when I hit the wall. You know, and God gave me these verses to get back. And he says, you know, one we had learned in our experience in God, Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I will trust in the name of our God. And that would get me through in Mark 9:24. I had to start saying this. I do believe. Help me overcome my over my unbelief. Give me grace that works. Lord, I need your grace and mercy. And um, and He has provided that. I brought back one of the things from the I don't know. The truth. It kind of seems like a like a weird one for Christmas. But we were in our ladies' Bible study right before Christmas. And um, I talked about experiencing God. And back in Luke 8, 24, when the, the disciples are in the boat with Jesus and the storm comes. And the disciples were in a boat during the storm while Jesus slept in the back. And if you had gone to the disciples in the middle of the tempest and asked them, what is the truth of this situation? What would they have said? We perish. Was that the truth? No, the truth was asleep in the back of the boat. Truth is a person, and I never really thought so much about truth being a person. You know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but me. But I never really thought about truth. And so as we go forward in this year, I hope you will think about that Jesus is the truth because it applies to, you know, just turn on the, the radio, the whatever in our life. We really need to focus on that Jesus is the truth. And in a moment of truth, Jesus himself stood up and calmed the storm. 
and then they knew the truth of their circumstances. Truth is the person who is always present in your life. You cannot know the truth of your circumstances until you have heard from God and never determine the truth of a situation only by looking at the circumstances. And that's what we're learning in our experiencing God. Focus. I have to choose to focus from the vantage point of eternity. That our time on earth is just a short breath. And God wins and he's in control in the end. He's our sovereign Lord. And I keep hearing this over and again. Only thing you can take to heaven are people. Your loved ones, your family. That's the only people. So I just wanted to thank you. And I just love Exodus 17, 8 to 15, where Jehovah Nisi is. And there's Moses with his arms up. He's, um, they're fighting the Amalekites. But then he, you know, his arms come down and they start losing. And I just love this church because you are the Aaron and the Hur. The Gellers have been part of the Aaron and the Hur and other people here. And I want to thank you for holding our arms up and for this church. And um, this Thursday, John got the job at Greenbrook. And so in mid-March, he was starting a job in New Jersey, so God doesn't have for us to go to Maryland. If he had, we would have gone. But we're thankful that we'll be in New Jersey and we'll be able to be here more. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. And I ask the question again, have you ever found yourself in an unexpected, scary place? Then realize that's exactly where God wanted you to be, uh, to accomplish something in and through you. Have you ever experienced that? We're going to see in 1 Kings today, in 1 Kings 18, how God puts us in tricky places for his purpose. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the testimony. We thank you for bringing each person here for a specific purpose that you have to take us another step in our faith, a step forward in our faith. We pray for your mercy and grace to help this happen through your spirit and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week, oh, let me read the passage first. I know I'll talk about last week. 18, uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 7, we'll pick it up. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground, and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. What have I done wrong? Asked Obadiah. That you're handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. Crazy, huh? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not... There, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me that to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I know where the spirit, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshiped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord? What I did while Jezebel was kill, killing the prophets of the Lord, I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, 
as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. Don't miss next week. The hunter becomes the hunted next week. But today, uh, last week we focused on Ahab. Remember King Ahab? We focused on that and, and you know, not caring more about the horses than the people. If you weren't here, make sure you listen to that. Today, uh, to that. But today I want to focus on Obadiah. Obadiah. Did anybody look up what Obadiah means? Anybody knows? Yes, servant of God, right? Servant of the Lord, servant of God. And that is what Obadiah was. He was a servant of God. Even though he worked for the wicked king, he worked for the wicked king, he served God. He worked for this king, Ahab, but he served God. He never compromised. There is no record of any time that, that uh, he compromised. There's no word of reproach from Elijah ever for Obadiah. He stuck his neck out literally. He stuck his neck out literally to protect the Lord's prophets. He lived under great stress, great duress. Think about it. Here he's this, this believer working in secret on, on God's behalf, knowing at any moment he could be murdered, that Ahab and Jezebel, if they even got a, even if they just suspected it, they would just kill him. They wouldn't even, there's no trial. And look at how afraid he was to talk to, to he, he even feared giving Ahab Eliza, Elijah's message here for good reason. The guy was a killer. He was a maniac, right? But even though all that happened to him, he feared God even more than he feared Ahab. In fact, back in verse 3, if you remember, uh, the King James Version says, he, Obadiah greatly feared the Lord. Greatly feared the Lord. And that's the key to faithful living. That's the key to faithful living. Even when we fear the world's response, we fear God more. And that's the message for today, isn't it? In our culture. Even though we fear the world and how they're going to respond and look at us and respond to us and what they'll do to us, we fear God even more more. He greatly feared the Lord. That's the key to faithful living. Now we see, the, the thing I really want to stress here in this, from this passage here is, we see from this passage that God often puts his people in strategic places to accomplish his purpose. God often puts his people in strange strategic places to accomplish his purpose. This is the last place you would expect to find a servant of God, right? Working for Ahab. <laughs> Ahab's right-hand man, so to speak. The last place you would expect to find one of God's servants. But God, who is our headhunter, and those who are looking for job, ever looked for a job know what I'm talking about, the headhunter. God, who is our headhunter, often places us with a real headhunter. This is what he did with Obadiah, with Ahab, right? Where has God put you for his purpose? Where has he put you for his purpose that has you shaking your head and maybe even shaking in your boots? You want me to work for who, whom, 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 whatever it is, who, whom? You want me to work for that person? You want me to live where? You want me to, to live out and share the gospel in what place? You know what I'm talking about? You ever find yourself wondering that? You, you know, I've talked about the inner city ministry that I had done for, Kim and I had done for four years. And uh, it was a rough, rough, rough ministry, as most of you know. And there were many times uh, I would be like, God, what am I doing here? 
Many times I say, what am I doing here? Especially on the bus. We would go down with this, this old Greyhound bus. It, it literally, I was told it had a million miles. Who knows? It was old Greyhound bus. You know, and and uh, we would get on this bus. We'd drive down to the city, inner city, the project, pick kids up, bring them back to the gym and run this ministry. And these kids would just flock on. I mean, this is before there was insurance and, you know, permission forms and anything like that. They would just pile on. they say, can I come? And i go, go ask your mom. He goes, I don't know where my mom is. Okay, get on. Pile. We'd have 70 kids on this bus, and we have two vans behind with 30 more kids piled into the vans. We'd have to be lugging these 100 kids back to, to the church. They would just pile on. And these bus drives, bus drives were crazy. I mean, crazy. What? You can't imagine how crazy. And it took everything I had to, you know, every, <laughs> took everything I had to, to distract these kids and to entertain these kids and try to keep them seated and not getting crazy. It, w- it was pandemonium on this bus. But I had this microphone. The bus had a microphone. And I would run these games and I would sing songs and I would start all these contests and I had big money prizes. I'd be throwing candy and, you know, and, and it would just keep this going. It, and that's the only way we could, it was like riot control, right? And uh, I remember being on this bus and, uh, the one time we were, this is how crazy it was. These kids are crazy back then. I remember one time the, the road was blocked and the pastor, the senior pastor, was driving the bus. He was this great guy, Pastor Dave, and, and he would drive the bus and, uh, and I would entertain the kids with the microphone. We were a great team. And one time we had to go a different way. The road was blocked and we came up and there was a, there was a, Overpass, a, ra- a train bridge overpass where the train would go over, and it was only so many feet high, and we pulled up to it. We couldn't back up. We couldn't go anywhere else. Like, what are we going to do? And we're both looking and trying to get out looking, and I can't tell if we're going to make it. We're going to have to, by faith, go, you know? So he's like, okay, here we go. And all the kids are like quiet, you know? And we start to go under the bridge, under the bridge, and all of a sudden you hear this grinding, tearing, loud... <laughs> We're like, looking. He stops. He stops, and it kept going. It was the train going over the top. You know, we were thought for sure we destroyed the bus. You know, but it was a train. We made it by. It had to be an inch. You know, we barely fit under this thing. And and this was the whole thing was like this crazy time. Uh, One time we had a, a bus riot. Uh, the kids on the bus got upset. They were, we just tried to keep them sitting down. I had these older teenagers that were with our group. And one time one of them said to one of the kids, hey, you need to sit down. This kid was like 12 or, it was kindergarten through sixth grade, kinda. And, uh, and sometimes we were changing diapers and sometimes they looked like they were out of high school. But anyway, they, they used to pile on. And, and, and he told the one kid, you gotta sit down. And the kid just flipped. And there was two of them. They just like flipped out. They attacked him. You're racist. And they jumped on him and started hitting him and freaking all the kids erupt on the bus you know fight 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 screaming it was like nuts it was like a riot breaking out and and uh and I and I remember just going back and uh and I just you know I just went back and I I hugged the kids you know I grabbed both of them and I started hugging them and I said it's okay it's okay we just want you to be safe we just want you to sit down it's gonna be okay and then he started crying crying and these kids face so much abuse they face so much violence they live in such a violent culture and they tell me the stories and and they have this incredible 
and you see it on the news, but the, the, the root of it, they live in this violent culture. And it comes out racism or, or this or drugs or violence or all this stuff. But really, that when they talk to me, they said it's because they live under so much fear. It creates a rage inside of them. They, they, they're like hunted where they live. It was crazy. It creates so much rage inside. They just lash out. They just lash out. And, and I just remember having to hug them all the time. And they would start crying. Tough kids. I remember how crazy it was. I'd be like, what am I doing here? I remember another time we pulled up. There was a, we pulled up into the projects to drop the kids off. It was just getting dark. We pulled up and, and there was a, we pulled in front of another car. And it turned out this was a car that was stolen by a drug dealer, and he was there making drug deals and right there on the street. And when he saw the truck cart, the bus pull in front, he got angry because the, he didn't want to be like boxed in in case the police came. So he whipped around our bus. It was crazy. The, the kids weren't loading. He whips around our bus, boom, rams right into another car right in front of the bus, smashes into it, climbs out, staggers out, and wa- goes down the street. The kids are going crazy. Big crowd gathering around. What's happening? What's this bus doing? You know, we had the other van behind us. The, the, my other driver in the van behind us panicked when he saw it was getting crazy. He, he backed up really fast and hit another car. But he just took off. He was so scared. He drove off. Then we got all the kids off. We drove off. You know, it was like, it's just, this is what it was like. It was, it was crazy. And, and I remember just driving home saying, what am I doing here? And the pastor, the senior pastor, David, like, what are we doing? That's what it was like for, for years. And, but after four years, we could look back and see, I ended up moving, but we could see the impact on so many of those kids' lives. And, and I was deeply impacted. Changing me. I still have some scars. But it changed me, it impacted me. And, and now, we're, now it seems like a door is opening up for us in Kensington as a church. You know, we're doing the clothing and stuff, and, and we're getting another door open and want to reconnect again with the inner city ministry. And, and I, I really believe that we can have an impact down there with the rock ministry down there in Kensington. We're getting reconnected again, so keep watching for the different ways we can do that. But God puts his people in strange but strategic places to accomplish his purpose. We see it all over the Bible. All over the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar had his Daniel. Daniel served under Nebuchadnezzar. You're talking about an evil guy. Look what he did to the king of Israel. (laughs) Poked his eyes out. After he murdered his sons, he poked his eyes out. Because that's the last thing he ever wanted him to see. That was Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel served under him. Huge impact. Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. First time tennis is mentioned in the Bible. That's another thing I would tell on the bus. All these trivia jokes. Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Philippians 4.22. We see it in the New Testament. Philippians 4.22. I don't know if you ever noticed this. But uh, it says here... I'll read verse 20, uh, well, 22. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. 
Here's a greeting from Paul from Caesar's household. Now, these weren't his relatives. The word actually means servants. They were probably either slaves or freed slaves. It's people who worked in Caesar's household. But they worked for Caesar. Who was Caesar at this time? Nero. Nero. <laughs> That's who they worked for. They worked in his household for Nero. Who's more wicked than Nero? And, and God often puts his people in the last place they really want to go to serve him. We see it today. We see Christians in key places. We see them in politics. We see them in Hollywood. We see them in sports, players playing on, on teams. Uh, Mariano Rivera played for the Yankees, right? That evil empire, you know? Who I actually cheer for. But anyway, we won't go into that. But, uh, you know, look at the impact he made spiritually and continues to make. Uh, we heard Pastor Joe a couple weeks ago come in preaching and how God has kept him in a, an apostate denomination and how the, he's bringing revival and renewal to a, a remnant within that denomination, how God kept him there. We see it in public school teachers who many times have to fight some real battles to, to, and stick their necks out. But we see it in public school teachers. We see it today. I, I, see, I see an Obadiah today. Uh, someone who, who's, we see that, I'll give me an example. Vice President Pence. Vice President Pence is in a key position. He is in the eye of a storm. There's a political storm going on in our country. A big battle, cultural battle, spiritual battle going on, right? And here is Vice President Mike Pence. Normally a vice president is kind of like the forgotten guy and doesn't have any impact. That guy is making a huge impact. In the eye of a storm, God is using him in a powerful way. If you're paying attention, you saw what happened at the, the March for Life, and here's Vice President Pence constantly in, making an impact. So many different things that you see happening with Israel, with, with saving babies, with protecting the persecuted around the world. That is Vice President Mike Pence being an Obadiah in a volatile, chaotic, spiritual battle going on in our country. We see it happening. God is using him. Connect the dots. Watch the spiritual things happening. Connect the dots. You see how God is using our vice president as an Obadiah. Look where God has put us as a church. Here we are in New Hope, right? Look at all we've been through. <laughs> Chris and Jan, remember, they were here. All the policemen and all that we've been through. And yet look at the impact on our community. And the impact on our lives, more, even more importantly, the impact on our lives. God calls us all, all to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You should have this one memorized for sure. Uh, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. 
We're called to be salt and light. That's our job in our schools and in our colleges, in our, on the teams that we're playing on, in our, where we work, in our uh, communities, in our neighborhoods, wherever we are, wherever God places us. We, might, we, we always focus on what we're doing, but we, we should be focusing on where God has placed us. Who he wants us to impact. We always say, well, I'm stuck here at this job, or why am I stuck in this school, or why am I stuck with this place or this person? Instead of focusing on what is God trying to use me to impact someone and make an impact on me. That's the focus. Not what am I doing, but where does God have me and who does he want me to impact? That's the real question. That's the real focus. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter what we're doing. You could be shoveling cow manure. I did that many years. You could be uh, pitching manure. But God could still be making an impact. No matter what you're doing. On others and on yourself. To make an impact for Jesus Christ in difficult places. To speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. Now we may not be under a wicked... And, and you, we may not be under a wicked boss. Or a, a wicked teacher. Or an, but we all... We all are in, under an increasingly wicked culture, aren't we? We're all under an increasingly wicked culture. And it's here that God has called us to be salt and light. The light shines brighter in the darkness. The darker it is, the more even a tiny light sh- shows. That, that light shines. And also salt. We're to be salt. Salt flavors. We're to bring, we're to bring a, a, a flavor. Something positive to where we are. As salt preserves. It slows down the rot. And this country's rotting. We can see it. And yet we should be slowing it down. That's our job. And it creates a thirst. Salt creates a thirst. We should be creating a thirst for, for God. When people are empty and hopeless, well, they see our lives. No matter what we're going through, that should create that same thirst for, for, for God when they see our lives. That's what it should be doing. Where has God placed you to make an impact? Where has he placed us to make an impact? What difficult assignment has he given us? That's why I call this Mission Impossible. You know Mission Impossible. If you watch it as a kid or even the new movies out, you know, they, they, Ethan Hunt gets this, this little recording that plays and says this is your assignment should you accept it now it's going to blow up in how many seconds and it burns up and blows up whatever it does and and that's that's what god has given each one of us he's given us a mission impossible impossible for us but all things are possible with god but the question is will we accept it like joanne's testimony it's all about the attitude. Will we accept it? Will we embrace it? Will we be an Obadiah where he has put us? A servant of God without compromising. Without, without chickening out. Will we courageously stick our neck out for God and then stick with it wherever God has put us? And maybe you're, t- and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you've been seeking and, and seeking, but maybe your first courageous step is to give your life to God. Maybe that's your first step, to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot earn heaven. We can only earn hell. See that? We can only earn hell. You cannot earn heaven. All you can do for heaven is, is receive the gift. We can only re- receive the gift. We can only take that gift that Jesus has already earned for us. Have you ever taken that step? Have you ever received that gift? Just like Ethan, just like the Mission Impossible, this is your mission should you accept it. This is your gift. This is our gift should we accept it. Will we accept that gift? And once we accept that gift of salvation, then we get our mission in life. Then we find our purpose in life. But the very first step is we have to accept it. John 1.12 says this, Yet to all who believed, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. First, receive. Then, believe. Then we become children of God. Then we have our purpose, our new life in Christ. Have you ever received the gift of Jesus Christ? Have you ever believed in him? Have you ever taken that step? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? Maybe here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never received that gift. And maybe your step today, your step of faith, your step of courage is to accept that gift. To receive and believe. To give your life to God. To find your true purpose in Jesus Christ. You can do that right this second. Right now. It's a simple prayer of faith. God, I know that I have earned death. I have earned hell because of my sin. I know what my wages for the wages of sin is death. I know what I've earned. I want, to walk, I want to repent. I want to walk away. I want to turn away from that old life. I want to be forgiven. Through Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I believe in him. Receive and believe. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then something incredible has happened. You've passed from death to life, eternal life, life forever with God, and it starts right this second.
you now have life with Jesus, a relationship with him, a purpose from him. Your life will never, can never, must never be the same. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've taken that step of faith, prayed that prayer of faith, if you've received and believed Jesus. Don't leave this morning without telling somebody. Maybe you have a friend or family member. Maybe you tell me on the way out, fill out the card, stick it in the box. Tell somebody because we're going to be so excited for you and, and can encourage you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you realize that even though you don't, you're not where you want to be, you're where God wants you to be. He's put us in a, a strategic, although maybe strange place for his purpose. In difficult places under difficult people for his purpose. To make an impact on others and to be impacted. Where has he put you? What is your mission impossible? Will your prayer this morning be, God, I accept this mission with courage, without compromise? Work in and through me. Father, we can only do this. It's impossible for us. We can only do this through this power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that your spirit would work in a, a powerful way in, in and through each of our lives, right where you have us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.